I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is our weekly therapy session, Investing in Bizarro World, where we talk about the markets, what we're investing in, and a lot of the crazy stuff going on with a lot of the crazies all around us. A lot of crazies. This week, we're going to talk about the Trumpster. The Trumpster's back, baby. We're going to talk about the FTX collapse and the poor founder's effort to prevent another pandemic being thwarted. Aw. We're going to talk lithium myths. We're going to get into all the craziness going on in the political field, midterms, the fallout. A lot to get to, Mr. Hodge. How are you, sir? This is episode 195 of our therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. That's a lot of episodes. I'm busy as always getting <laughs> things done, uh, gearing up for the end of the year, gearing up for the Thanksgiving holiday. And so uh, just plugging away, looking at the charts, talking to the talking to the management teams. <laughs> you know how it goes. I do. I do. Um, before we get into the markets, right? And, and they're interesting right now. There's a lot of interesting, fun stuff to get into. But uh, I, I'll share a personal story, right? Everybody knows my mother, that those of you who listen to the podcast know my mother-in-law passed in April. My father passed in July. And so, you know, the wife and I have never been to therapy and we thought, hey, it would be cool since we're grieving together to just kind of go try this out and just kind of see what it's like, right? I think everybody like at birth should just be assigned a therapist, right? And have somebody to work with. But I've never done it. I'm 44 years old. I've never tried it. I'm super receptive and open to it. I think it'll be healthy. And so we tried booking a, a therapist session and like she, she like did it and the wife and her clicked and I'm like, I'm all in. Like, I don't know what I'll talk about, but sure, I'm in. And so we're going to go to our appointment and she calls and she's like, I have COVID, guys. I'm sorry. Can we reschedule? And I'm sure, sure. So we reschedule and then two weeks later, uh, we go to have another appointment. She's like, I'm still at the tail end of it. So I think it's the universe's way of saying this is the best kind of therapy for me, Nick. So I'm going to stick with this. <laughs> I should start charging you $200 an hour. <laughs> Like, what if I really needed it? It was like on the verge of jumping off the bridge and my therapist, who I've never actually met, keeps canceling on me. That would be horrible. So anyhow, for anybody that's going through stuff, I encourage you all to talk to a therapist. I don't know if this stuff works, but I can tell you that a lot of people very close to me have tried therapy, have gone through therapy. It's done wonders um, for them. And so, yeah, it's always good to try something different to better yourself internally and externally, right? I'll tell you that they're super busy. I was reading... Um, an article the other day, I think it was actually by Neil Howell, who was the fourth turning mm -hmm. gentleman, and he was talking about uh, the generation behind the millennials, so-called Gen Z, and how uh, people, you know, build them as fragile little teacups. And it turns <laughs> out some of that is uh, bearing out in the in the research. You know, they are uh, more likely than older generations to say that you know they're unhappy at that at work, um, that they uh, you know are injured more mentally and physically, and um, basically, we're learning that uh, they just can't deal. Um, like they just can't even. Basically, yeah. is the is the saying. But um, a lot of them are, are, are seeking therapy, which is good. Like you said, it's good to have somebody to talk to. But um, it just made me think of that because you were yeah. talking about the therapists. That uh, their therapists are super busy these days. No, it's 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 kind of funny, not funny to me, right? Everybody asks, like, hey, how are you doing with everything? I'm like, physically, we're in the best shape of our life. Financially, it's been yeah, one of the best years of our life. Kids are great, killing it in school, doing great. Our parents just died. <laughs> Other than that, it's been like the most amazing, spectacular year, right? Digest Publishing's amazing. Resource Stock Digest is booming. Things are great. I'm excited about the markets, which we'll get to here in a second. 
Um, so yeah, things come up. So anyhow, I figured I'd share that and uh, let's get right into it. Let's talk the markets. Uh, we have to start with crypto, Nick. I mean, let's get into it. We talked last week with Chris, who was kind enough to come on and speak to the peasants of the crypto space like myself and explain you know what a wallet is and how you can have it independent of these exchanges and you know how you can prevent risking your hard-earned capital um to the likes of mr sam freed is that, is that we're going with freed sam, sam bankman freed that's right um but man, this isn't this isn't a a liquidity crunch. This is not a a story about someone that you know leveraged themselves to the point of no return. This is a straight up scam. This reeks of just straight up scam, top to bottom. And I, I I don't know I don't know if this gentleman makes it to a cell. I don't wish him bad. I suspect that bodies. And I hate to sound morbid, but I suspect bodies will start washing up on beaches. Near and far. Um, or out of windows like the Russians. Or out of windows. I think there's going to be a lot of accidents here in the next little bit. Again, I'm not rooting for any of this, y'all. I'm just saying this isn't a, um, th- th- this isn't a, a liquidity crisis. This isn't a, a situation where he just, you know, misallocated capital. It's straight up theft. It's straight mm-hmm. up fraud. It's a straight up scam. And, you know, I joked up top about the headline. This was an actual Washington Post headline. That said, the FTX collapse dooms founders' efforts to prevent another pandemic. And I'm sitting there going, in what fairy tale world does the Washington Post, which I'm a fan of, my brother works there, he does real beautiful, serious journalist pieces, right? But whoever wrote this other piece, um, what are you smoking? What are you thinking? Thoughts, Nick? Yeah, a lot of them. I've been following pretty closely. You know, this gentleman, and I had, as we talked about last week, I had Chris write an article about this guy in the, in the weeks before this went down because I had been hearing the the sniffs of the rat that, that something was, you know, uh, awry with this guy. So um, you mentioned the post going soft on him. People were up in arms this week about the New York Times article, um, which was quite soft on him as well. And um, the the Occam's razor description, the, the simplest explanation is that he was a major donor to the political left. He had donated some $50 million in the, in the past year to democratic political causes. And so um, they're saying that, you know, because of the money that he donated to, to those spheres of the world that um, they're letting him off easy. Um, you mentioned it was straight up theft. You know, we, we're learning more things every day. Um, we, we learned recently that uh, something like a million people are going to be affected by this. Um, creditors and investors, people that had money tied up. Um, it's very far reaching. They still can't get their money out. Um, and it wasn't just, um, as Chris explained, like they were taking money from FTX customer deposits to allocate to Alameda <laughs> Research. No. I mean, we're, we're learning now they're buying houses in the, in the Bahamas. Yeah. I mean, money was going to executive lifestyles. It's, they were wiring the money directly to them. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Uh, and I don't know if you've read about the head of Alameda Research at all. Her name was uh, Caroline Ellison and who her father was. I'm sure you've read some of this. So her father was Gary Gensler's boss at MIT. <laughs> Gary Gensler, of course, is now the head of the SEC. 
uh, one of the parties who will be uh, responsible for investigating this and um, you know holding FTX accountable. So um, you know the web the, the web deepens, right? Um, you know, oh, I should mention the Ukraine too, right? FTX was one of the arms that was responsible for. Um, doling out or administering some of the donations that were being made through Ukraine. And there's speculation now that that was um, a laundering front, that not all of that money or any of that money, you know, made it to where it was supposed to go in the Ukraine and could have found its way, you know, back into people's pockets here in the U.S. to uh, whatever, um, line bribe, you know, stave off getting found out, all sorts of stuff. And so uh, very deep. And now you're seeing uh, other uh, crypto entities go under. under. BlockFi has gone under. And, and even the gentleman um, or the other exchange that was, you know, going to bail them out and didn't Binance, people are now even saying, you know, don't have your money in any of these exchanges. Um, do what uh, I've been saying and, and do what I did is, you know, have it in, in, hard, in a hardware wallet, which yeah. is a device that's off the line, as it were, um, that you can store somewhere safe in a safety deposit box or um, uh, safe. And so, uh, you know, I was writing today that it's funny and, and sad at the same time, right? I mean, the videos that are coming out about, you know, the interviews oh. with this Caroline chick and how uh, she basically didn't know what she was talking about and, you know, him talking about his Toyota Corolla and how he didn't need a Lamborghini and he was a vegan and, right, he was going to donate Five hundred million dollars next year. Good luck, pal. Right? I mean, your your wealth just evaporized, but uh, or evaporated. Um, <laughs> evaporized. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, vaporized, what evaporated, <laughs> whatever. It it's was gone. Heaven. You wanted it to go to the moon, folks. It's gone. <laughs> it's out of there. It's and again, I don't laugh at the people that lost their hard-earned money by trusting this guy. This guy is an absolute thief. Um, I, I don't understand why he's still running around wherever he's running around. Last I heard he was somewhere in the Bahamas or something like that. I don't understand why he's not in a prison cell. I don't understand why Brittany Griner, the WNBA basketball players in a Russian penal colony sentenced to nine years for cannabis oil in a vape. And this guy's running around getting a tan somewhere, texting dumb shit to journalists um, about uh, how stupid the Democrats are and how they just believed all of his lines about how he was going to donate and how he was just doing it mostly to play the game and win in court favor. Um, it's a wacky world we live in, Nick. Well, if he did it in Russia, it might be a different story. Um, we're, we're, well, again, I, I think there's a lot of bodies and a lot of uh, accidents that are going to happen soon. I guarantee you there's some Russian exposure there and I don't think all of it's going to be friendly. Yeah, well, we'll see. Like I said last week, uh, my, when my wife heard the story, she said he's either going to kill himself or go to jail, right? Or the third option is... That's right. Yeah, Mr. Jeff Epstein style, right? It's going to be one of those. It's going to um, be suicided? It's going to be suicided. And again, I'm not rooting for any of these things, everyone. I just I just observe what I see and I have a little bit of history that I uh, read into. That's kind of how these things tend to end. So we'll see how that goes. Um Narrative and story aside, is there an opportunity? We talked last week. You said you were hoping or wanting to see the 13, 14,000 level in Bitcoin um, and that you might dip your toes back in to the Bitcoin space there at those levels. Are you still wanting to see those levels before you get in there? Watching, waiting, Bitcoin, I'm pretty sure is going to hit the $14,000 level. And yes, I will be a buyer when it does. It hasn't. So it did for like an hour last week. It went to like 14,960 yeah. for like, the wick of a candle for like, you know, five minutes. And then um, it's been above that since, but this fallout's not done. And 
Um, people are going to need liquidity um, for the crypto fallout reasons and for just other recession reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about in other parts of this podcast. But um, pretty sure Bitcoin's going to go to 14,000. I don't pay too much attention to the other stuff. That's what Chris is for. I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, as they call them. Um, I think Bitcoin is like the one true coin. So I don't really dabble in the other ones, but um, I will be a buyer with a 14 handle. Yes. Okay. And I, I, I know, you know, months ago when uh, Chris launched his service, we set up a, a, a fund with, you know, we, had, we, we, we promised to allocate $50,000, not all at one time, because you never go in all at one time, right? But a little bit at a time in tranches. Any updates there, Nick? How's that coming along? He's only about half allocated, so uh, he's got seven or eight coins that he's bought. Um, he was recommending uh, buying some last week uh, on the dip. Um, you know, he was talking on the podcast about how Solana went as low as twelve or fourteen dollars, and um, if memory serves, that was like a, a two hundred and eighty some dollar coin a year or so ago, and one of the ones that uh, lots of things are being built on top of, including the, the most popular NFT platforms and things like that. So he's really bullish on Solana and, and a couple of other ones, but still a lot of dry powder there um, that he will deploy, and um, you can follow along as he does in Crypto Cycle. I like it. I like it. Let's get into uh, the gold space. Gold and silver had itself. You know, it's had it's had itself. They've had themselves a good couple of weeks here. Seventeen sixty on the gold side. Um, you know, silver touched that twenty two level. Uh, thoughts there? Uh, it's getting more interesting. I would say um, there, there's some caveats, but. Um, Gold and silver looked interesting. Silver got above 21. Uh, the, the caveats are that as soon as um, gold got to three-month highs at 1785, which we were saying is the level it sort of had to stick to, yep. um, it quickly poked its head back in its shell as soon as as soon as soon it yep. touched that and said, I don't know, I don't know yet. Um, and the other thing I can't figure out yet is um, – Where's gold or excuse me, where's the dollar and rates going to go? So mm. the, do the dollar was sliding hard and it sort of halted that slide. But now it's consolidating. Right. Uh, I think it's consolidating for another like higher. Um, the other thing is Same. bond yields. Uh, the 10 year got really soft and the, the shorter term yields remained really strong. So the yield curve inversion now is the worst it's been since this whole um, whatever cycle started. Uh, the the yield curve inversion on the tens and twos is worse than now than basically any time in the past 35, 40 years, worse than the dot-com bust, worse than 2008. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if gold can hold up where it is now. And so I just, I, I don't know yet is the answer, but it's looking better than it has obviously of, of late. Definitely creating a higher base of support, which is positive. Um, I am concerned that given just how rapid the dollar declined, and I do think, and we've said this for weeks now, that we said it was toppy in the near term, but I do believe that the dollar has another run left in it, um, a, a, a pretty a pretty you know robust one here in the next little bit, maybe the next four weeks or so. Um, I'm concerned that as quickly as the dollar came down from the 114, 115 level all the way down to 106, the gold gains on a percentage level didn't really match that. Didn't really match that. And if we're gonna if we're gonna pair that trade, or we're gonna hedge one with the other and say that they're correlated. 
then I, I, I would venture to say there's probably more downside for gold. And I know the gold bugs don't want to hear it. Um, and again, I think this is just short-term crystal ball stuff that I'm talking about here. But I do see more weakness in the gold price in the short term. I think 2023 is going to be a phenomenal year for gold. I thought the end of 2022 would be phenomenal for gold. It hasn't been bad. It just hasn't, um, it, it, it hasn't broken out the way that I thought it would. Given the volatility, and we'll talk volatility in a second. I know you. I, I know that you watch that pretty consistently, Nick. Um, given the volatility, I think it's held up well. It certainly outperformed the broader indices, right? Um, but I don't think it's breakout time yet, is what I'm trying to say. Volatility index. I know you watch that like a hawk. Talk to me about that, Nick. What do you see in there? It's perking yeah, up. Yeah, I, I charted it last week in, in Hodge Family Office, which I know you're not supposed to do, and I, I said it was due for a bounce. And sure enough, that's what's happened. So. Um, you know, that's why you've gotten some of these bigger point days in, in the S&P. You've seen the S&P down now for a couple of days uh, in a row. Um, and yeah, volatility is coming back into the mix. Um, you've seen some really big retailers have giant swings. I mean, Target was saying this week that the holidays uh, sales period isn't going to be great. Their stock was down 15% in a single day. That's one of the biggest retailers in the country. Um yeah, volatility ebbs and flows, and and, and right now it's it's flowing uh, upward. Uh, I don't have a chart in front of me, but I could if you really want to know. But and volatility is going back up as we speak, and has the the past couple of days. Yeah, let's talk about the boogeyman and the boogie woman. Did you see the boogeyman and the boogie woman this week? Out mm. full force, creepy lithium. It's going down. Oversupply. <laughs> All the supplies coming. The demand's going to shit. It's over, everyone. The lithium dream is over. The bubble is bursting. That's what Goldman Sachs would have you believe six months after they said the same thing back in June, July. Um, mind you, mind you, back in June, July, they predicted a deficit um, going into year end or, or they predicted a, a, a surplus, um, a substantial one, which turned into just six months later, an 84,000 ton deficit. Now they come back and they're doubling down. You got to give it to those guys and gals over there. They're doubling down and they're saying, you know, supply is going to way outpace demand and uh, the lithium price is going to start going backwards as early as 2023. Um, and then, you know, you have uh, auctions from Pilbara, which you know, record high prices, SQM uh, reported er earnings. They say they absolutely believe prices will stay high into 2023. Um, they had a 936% or 937% increase in revenues. This is SQM year on year from Q3 of last year to Q3 of this year. There are raging bull markets out there, everyone. I sound like a broken record every week. It's because I want you to profit from it. Um, any thoughts on Goldman's little mini note? Boogeyman, boogeywoman, scary, spooky report that they try to put out to shake people out. It had a one-day effect on stocks, and then people called bullshit. Major, major miners were down 10 to 15% that day, and eh, yeah, that was it. It was a one-day event. Well, I wonder what their game is. If it's typical Goldman, you know, they're trying to get into a position by shaking people, you know, out of their positions. So um, that's the simplest ex explanation. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, myths and a lot of misinformation out there about the, the lithium space. We, we've talked about some of them from time to time, but it's worth uh, putting them all together. Once again, um, you just mentioned SQM and how, you know, they see prices high for the next year, a couple of years. You could look at 
um, you know, a company called Mineral Resources, which is a, a leader in the space as well. They're talking about elevated prices through the end of the the decade. Elon Musk has talked before that, you know, he needs the world's entire supply of lithium to uh, make the amount of Teslas that he wants to make by 2030. Um, sales of EVs and production of EVs are, are ramping up in China. And um, while, yes, they're looking for different types of technologies, um, all those technologies are still dependent on lithium. So, you know, if you go from the the lithium nickel uh, chemistry to the lithium iron phosphate, um, it's still lithium, which we mentioned here before, and, and those batteries aren't as dense and you don't get as good of a range. Um, there was a, a big article out from Reuters this week talking about how um, sodium or salt batteries were going to be the next iteration of, of EV batteries. And um, sure, great. But they're saying, if you read the whole article, not for at least another decade. And oh, by the way, you still need lithium for those batteries as well. Um, Imagine and then not I, reading the article, Nick. Imagine <laughs> not reading the article and going, I'm not investing in the space because it's over. Like the bull market has run its course. And then you realize what they're really telling you is you have a bull market for the next 10 years. Exactly. And so and then there's even worse stuff that I see, like real pie in the sky stuff like, you know, the lithium cathode is done and, you know, other forms of the cathode are going to take over. It's just not the real world. Um, it's not the world we live in. It's not the world you should be investing in. When you look at the plants that have been announced across the entire world, right, the South Korean manufacturers, Hyundai, um, LG, um, you know, to, to Panasonic and Volkswagen and uh, what GM and Tesla are doing and Ford here in the United States. It's all lithium-based batteries. The billions of dollars that you've seen announced in, in deals, they're all lithium um, battery facilities. And um, what's the other thing I see? Oh, I see some stuff about the fires, right? You, you talked about boogeyman. <laughs> all the, the fires, are, it's going to mean the end for lithium. It's like, no, the fuck it's not, man. Um, one... <laughs> Uh, they're, they're committed to this technology Two, There's new technologies on the way. And I'm not going to tell you the company because I own shares and I want to recommend it, but that are working on producing cells that are um, the way the electrolytes flow. They, they don't cause a fire, even if they're um, pierced, right? Like even if you put a nail through the cell or whatever, um, they self-extinguish because the electrolytes won't be able to flow be, uh, because of the way the cells are created. So they're working on curing those problems. Those problems are easier and cheaper to, to cure than, you know, switching the entire inertia of a global supply chain that is now committed to using lithium. And oh, by the way, the fires aren't even a big deal. And for lower quality batteries that are typically found in scooters and e-bikes. So, you know, that whole narrative is, is out the window if you want to live and invest in reality, which is where um, I like to dwell. And then the other thing is recycling, um, which I've touched on before. Um, and I see, you know, recycling is going to make it such that we're not going to have to mine as, as much lithium. Well, um, that's not necessarily true either. And maybe I'll read for you from an IEA report right now that says the amount of spent EV batteries reaching the end of their first life is expected to surge after 2030. So mm -hmm. we're in we're in 2022 heading into 2023. Um, and that comes at a time when mineral demand is set to still be growing rapidly. This is directly from the IEA now. And they say recycling would not eliminate the need for continued investment in new supplies. But we estimate that by 2040, 2040, 
Recycled quantities of copper, lithium, nickel, and cobalt from spent batteries could reduce combined primary supply requirements for these minerals by around, wait for it, 10%. 10% by 2040. We're going we're to be recycling. And so... Um, and then just one more thing is the is the last myth I want to dispel about lithium is, you know, I see that you should be investing in all in the automakers. Basically, it's not really a lithium myth, but, you know, this new uh, lithium car company or EV car company is going to, you know, beat Tesla or this is going to be the end of Tesla. Um, again, if you read the reports, the automakers are struggling because their margins are going down because they're paying for they're paying more for the what? The lithium, which is at all time record highs at seventy thousand dollars a ton, and as you said before we started recording, you know there's forecasts out there to go to ninety ninety five thousand uh, dollars a ton of lithium. And so I know I'm taking up a lot of mic. Time no, this here, is important. I want to drive we, the point home to speculators and investors that while you wait for gold and the base metals and silver and all these metals to catch up, and they will, everybody, they will. There's a time and a place to make money with those. But in the meantime, there's raging bull markets where you can be making money hand over fist. And we've done it all year. You know, Nick, we've had a phenomenal year with our lithium plays this year. And so, no, please continue to take up some more time. <laughs> well, the last point is that, you know, the forecasts say that we have to mine 25 times more lithium by 2050. So in order to do that, lots of new mines have to come online and they take time. And so it's why the, the quality projects are, are being rewarded. You're in one that... Uh, you financed it at 16 cents and again in the, in the 30 cent range and that's gone um, to, to seven dollars or, or, or thereabouts. Uh, it's pulled back a bit. Um, I'm in one that I financed 30 cents with warrants of 45. That stock's going to three dollars and, and just got a permit. So um, and when you talk to management, um, they can't, you know, hold the door for as many people uh, that are knocking on it, trying to partner with them to give them money to um Build the mine because why? For all the things we just mentioned, there's not enough lithium to go around. And it's not that like these automakers are banging down the door of um, you know different cathode materials. There's no graphite cathode. There's no salt battery ready, ready. Like they're banging on the door of the lithium producers and the upcoming lithium producers. That's where the capital is flowing to. And that's where your capital should be allocated. Well said. Now, if you don't want to take it from Nick or myself, who have done very well this year with lithium, I don't know what else to tell you, but I will tell you this. There is a gentleman by the name of Joe Lowry, who I had the pleasure of meeting back in 2016 um, in Argentina. We met briefly. I don't want to sit here and make it sound like this guy's my best friend or we talk on a regular basis. He's not somebody who I can just call. But Met the gentleman, straight shooter. I think he found uh, the same in me. Uh, we had a situation where we were looking at a couple of projects over there with Lithium Americas and, and Advantage Lithium back then, which was nearby, an asset that was bought by Oro Cobre. And long story short, um, he just gave a speech, and this is the, 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 the price forecast that he presented. He thinks that we could have a $97,000 a ton tag. That's U.S. Um up until 2027. And he says the base value will be right around today's level, right around the 80,000 level is where he sees it. Now for context, everybody, lithium carbonate prices were at like just over 10,000 back in 2019, right? And, and, and so that move from 10,000 to 80,000, 
most of the retail space still hasn't caught on. Still hasn't caught on. The only reason you and I have done so well this year with our lithium plays, Nick, let's be frank, is because we got in really early, right? We got in really, really early. Even those stocks have consolidated a bit. Your uh, your your pick, which you've brilliantly, brilliantly rode all the way up, um, ha- has broken out to new highs on news of that permit. But there is a lot of runway left. If we get a 2023, 24, 25, 26, and 27, that's five more years of, of, of rising prices. Today's valuations are going to seem meager compared to what they'll be years from now. And I, I, I see a scenario where there's aggressive M&A, where automakers and chemical companies and other mining companies, traditional energy companies, are writing checks at significant premiums. So I encourage everybody to do some due diligence. Um, if you don't want to hear it from Nick or myself, look up Joe Lowry. They call him Mr. Lithium for a reason. He's been at this for a very long time. And um, yeah, I I, I, I I know he was in Australia here recently. I know Blair from Patriot Battery Metals was in Australia recently. I'd be curious to see if maybe those two had a chance to connect. I did see a picture on Twitter with Mr. Lowry. Um wearing some Patriot Battery Metal swag. I'd be really curious to see what somebody as conservative and, and respected as Joe Lowry has to say about the Corvette district over with Patriot Battery Metal. So anyhow, you have some uh, you have some good resources there, folks, to do some due diligence if you don't want to take it from Nick or me. Um, look up Global Lithium LLC founder Joe Lowry. He's as good as they get when it comes to the lithium space. I'm going to keep going for one more second. Have so, at it. You mentioned uh, Advantage Lithium. Um, two points I want to make. One is that um, this isn't our first lithium rodeo. Um, <laughs> I, I was involved. You mentioned the lithium carbonate prices were 10000 a ton in, in 2019. Yeah, there was a lithium run back from uh, 2017 timeframe, 2016 to, to 2017 timeframe. Uh, that was sort of the first lithium boom, right? Yep. Where... Uh, you and I began to cut our teeth in the sector. I went out to Nevada, poked around uh, the projects there, the you know Albemarle's, the, which is the biggest producer in the world, and uh, Lithium X, which, by the way, we made like, I don't know, 15, 1600% gains on, financed it at 15 cents, and it was uh, bought out for over $2.30. You talked about um, Advantage Lithium taken out by Oracobre, which since merged with Galaxy to create the company called Allchem, which I still own shares of and are at all-time highs near 14 Canadian dollars. Um, we financed the company called Millennial Lithium. I did at least. Yep. Um, at, at 65 cents that, that went on to be bought out for many, many dollars in, in a bidding war. Um, it's not our first round in the, in a lithium space when it comes to selecting winners that are going to eventually either go into production or be taken out by the larger producers. And the second thing I met, the second thing, uh, I'd mentioned before we wrap up on lithium is when I look at these other, <laughs> not wrapping up. <laughs> uh, when I look at these other promotions out there, some of the things that I said before, like, um, you got to look at this cathode company. They're replacing lithium. Well, okay, you know, I, I subscribe. <laughs> I I can subscribe to these letters. I can look at what the cathode company is. It's near fifty-two week lows, um, and and the chart goes down and to the right, whereas the lithium uh, miners go up and to the right. Um, or I look at the the car company that's got to um, that's going to put Tesla out of business because you know they're the, they're the next electric manu- vehicle manufacturer. Okay, that was a SPAC deal that you know blew up, and and when all the SPACs blew up, and it too was trading near fifty two week lows. Literally, what the fuck are you talking about? You know what's funny to me about everything you just said? Funny, not funny. 
I think of 2016 and I think of 2017 and I think about that run and the exact same stories that are being recycled now are being recycled and from 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 those days. It was the death of Elon. It was how this new technology is going to put the lithium ion battery in its grave. It was how, you know, you've missed the run. And I'm telling you, folks, if you think Patriot is expensive at $550, you are going to hate it at $30 and $40. Because you're going to say that little loud Gerardo Del Real guy and his tall hunting mining buddy Nick Hodge were telling me I should buy some more Patriot battery metals. But I couldn't justify seeing it go from 16 cents to 550 today and buying it that level. I'm just telling you folks right now, I'm, 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 I'm just, look, if you buy it, don't buy it. I don't care. I have my position. I'm happy with my position. And I'm going to ride that baby as long as I can. The stories are being recycled, but you know it's not being recycled. Lithium batteries. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the part of our therapy session. Where we get into politics. And so if you don't want to hear us talk about politics, it's been awesome chatting lithium, gold, inverted 69 yield curves, um, the VIX. Uh, but now we're going to talk about politics because here in America, we just had our midterm election. And we now have the results from that midterm election. And we have an announcement. Should we get to the announcement first, Nick? Sure. The Trumpster's back, baby. The Trumpster's <laughs> back. The news cycle is about to be lit again. Get ready, everybody. I think you're more excited than his face. <laughs> Which is hilarious. I am the son of Mexican immigrants, right? I am the son of Mexican immigrants. I have tons of family in Mexico. My mom's still living in Mexico. We're the punching bag every time Trump needs to scare his base. Um, but somehow there's something about him being back in the public space. Um, capital riots and insurrections and, you know, threats to the uh, democracy aside, he's an entertaining guy if you can stomach all those things. And the bottom line is the people in charge of investigating all these things still have yet to be able to bring them to account. So the most that I can do is laugh at some of his stuff. So Mr. Trump announced that he will indeed uh, be running for president in 2024. And it was very, very interesting to me. Not the response from the left, which is what it's always going to be. It was the response from big money on the right, Nick, that really stood out to me. I touched last week on the New York Post and the big headlines that Trumpy Dumpty and, you know, there was a cartoon of a big bloated Trump up there. And, and, and that was interesting to me because obviously that media group and the people behind it have been very supportive of Donald Trump. And that to me was a sign that all was not well within not just that relationship, but the base, the base of very wealthy donors that enabled his first run and his first presidency. There are there. I mean, I mean, it seems like across the board, DeSantis is the poster boy now. Whatever you think of DeSantis, right? I have no, 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 no dog in the fight. Um, I'm curious to see how this plays out. It's been very interesting to me how many wealthy donors have said publicly that they're not backing Trump. It's been interesting to me how many Republicans, um, Chris Christie, for God's sake, right? You talk hypocrisy. Chris Christie, of all people, who is begging to be VP and then got, you know, passed up by Trump, um, came out and said, no, he's not the candidate that we want representing the Republican Party. If that's the way it goes, it's over for us. That's not going to work anymore. The 10 election deniers that Trump campaign for every single one of those people lost in the midterms in the in the midterms here and and so look we have a situation in the US where 
the Senate is one one parties and the House is the other parties. And so you're not going to get much done for the next couple of years. Enter Mr. Trump, enter the Trumpster. It's going to be an absolute show the next couple of years. And I think there's going to be a lot of Republican on Republican fire. And I got the popcorn. I'm ready for it. I'm in. I'm in. We can expect the usual stuff from the left. And, you know, they have their own implosion going on over there with Pelosi saying that she's not going to run again. But I bring all this up and I'm trying to tie it in together into a fourth turning concept because this is the stuff that fourth turnings are made of. You have the right fighting amongst themselves about the next set of leadership status that's going to emerge from that side. You have the left, you know, a generational shift. Pelosi stepping down is no small deal. Um, and it's all happening simultaneously while the financial system is 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 looking more and more fragile by the day and, and dangerously close to breaking something that's very important. I'm not rooting for any of this, but again, what can I do but sit back and get the popcorn and uh, try to make sure that I protect my family, maximize profits for the people that follow our stuff, for my family, keep ourselves healthy, and you know, be a good citizen, be a good member of the community. Outside of that, I don't know what else to do, but just call it how I see it. Thoughts on all of that, Nick? And get your popcorn. Popcorn stays um, ready, man. <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, uh, I'm pretty agnostic on the politics front. I saw the announcement. I think it's pretty evident that DeSantis is, is the guy there um, and that uh, the Trump faction, the, the MAGA faction is going to be reduced to sort of, you know, a Tea Party faction or, or what the Tea Party faction was um, whenever that was, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, they're going to be the the fringe and, and the money's going to back DeSantis. The betting polls say so and um, the mainstream of the party says so. So I don't really know much about DeSantis um, other than, like you say, the left will respond how the left responds. The left seems to hate him just because they're Republicans. But um, yeah, that's the way it seems to be going. I didn't see, uh, I watched the, the Trump press release. You know what I do is um, on DirecTV, they have this news channel where you can see all the news channels at once in like little squares. There's like Fox, CNBC, CNN, BBC, whatever. And I see like, you know, who sticks with them the longest and like who cuts away the soonest. And then I flip back and forth and see what they're saying. Um, and it's, it's a good way to just absorb it all and see what they're saying. And, you know, there was, I think Huckabee was on Fox talking about oh, how it was a God. good speech. And uh, But even Fox was saying that, you know, he can't talk about the what he you know his his dumb things are about the elections being rigged and, and being fixed and the january 6th stuff like they've got to move forward right and um i think that that party is is going to move forward without him i mean it was evident in the red wave that never crested right um uh you talk about the the republican party's breaking in two well you've already had liz cheney out there you know uh, for a while now talking uh anti-Trump and some of the candidates that she endorsed uh, won over yeah. the candidates that, that Trump endorsed, most notably the, the Arizona governor's race. And so, um, and that's the land of, of Sheriff Joe Arpaio, right? So, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the Trump, uh, the Trump search is, just fades <clears throat> off, but, but certainly what fourth turnings are made of. And um, the author of that book, Mr. Neil Howe, I think is working on a new book that will be out next year. So um, that will be interesting to read. And yeah, like you say, um, all this is par for the course and it's going to last longer than um, uh, originally thought. You know, the election's not until 2024. And um, one of the other interesting things that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is the 
the political affiliation of, of the Fed itself, right? You know, uh, Mr. Powell is a Republican. I was thinking the other day, why hasn't Biden replaced him yet? Like, why hasn't he replaced someone, replaced him with some, someone that would be more accommodative um, to, to, to rate policy, to, to you know, <laughs> not basically force a recession while the Democrats are in office? Uh, because that's what's going on. And um, you think about it and credit to Keith McCullough here, which is one of the first places I heard this is, you know, Powell doesn't have to be what he is. He's worth a hundred and I don't know, a hundred, a hundred and ten million dollars. Like he doesn't need to be Fed president. He's in there to 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 do something, right? And and to do something is continue to raise rates. And so <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta you're gonna have to deal with that. And it's easy to see um a DeSantis that that points back at the at the Democrats and and Trump and says, "Look, both these guys signed checks," which I've been saying for two fucking years. Like they all signed the damn checks, man. So um, it's all very interesting. And then I watch with popcorn. Get the popcorn. <laughs> Keep some bullets handy. <laughs> what else you got on your mind, Nick? Oh, I don't. I don't think too much. What else is? What else we gotta talk about? No, I. I you know, I. Th- I think that's it. I feel much better. I. I don't think I need therapy. <laughs> you know, I, I've gotten my daily, my weekly dose. Um, I will say, I hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving or a holiday, whatever it is that y'all celebrate. If you don't celebrate a formal thing, just celebrate being alive and being happy and being with loved ones. And if you can't be with loved ones celebrate that you're around, right? I hope everyone has an awesome, awesome holiday here the coming week. We will be taking the week off. Um, Mm -hmm. So I encourage everybody, if they are going to do market-related activities during the holiday, I would remind yourself of Patriot Battery Metals having over 50 holes in the assay lab. It finally has its ASX listing date of December the 7th. I think it's, it's all. Birthday. Hey, there you go. It's going to be a heck of a birthday present for you, Mr. <laughs> Hodge. Um, and then look, I think it's off to the races. I think we're going to get some mouthwatering assays. Blair publicly, the CEO, has stated that 2023 will be the most aggressive drill program Corvette has ever seen. Um, just a lot of bullish news there. I'll say on Nevada Sunrise Metals, it's pulled back right to the financing price. I suspect someone that the company let in has probably been selling their shares and keeping the 30 cent warrant. So I, I think your downside is minimal to nothing at these levels. It's back to 21 and a half cents. The last financing that came free trading a few weeks back um, was done at 20 cents. I think it's an excellent, excellent um, entry point or an excellent point to add or average down if you haven't already done so. The company's drilling. I expect assays in the next couple of weeks. So a lot to look forward to in December. I'm really excited for it. I hope everybody has an awesome holiday. Nick, anything you want to add to that? No, that's it. Uh, mouthwatering assays, mouthwatering turkey and, and oysters and gravy and stuffing and, and mashed potatoes. I think um, Thanksgiving might be one of my favorite holidays. You get to have the family. You get to have a couple of days off. You have to deal with the pressure of decorations and presents. And you just get to sort of... Um, eat and be merry for a couple of days. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm here in Washington state. So just ordered the oysters today. The water is cold. They should be briny and um, the ducks are starting to fly as well. So it's going to be a good couple of days. Can't wait. Can't wait. That's it, everybody. I'm Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 
number 195 of our therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. Anything else you want to say to the people, Nick? That's it. See ya. Be safe out there, y'all. Have fun. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.